phishing attacks continue to increase throughout the world because the human element of fraud is not being addressed by security companies, says Jim Hansen, chief operating officer at online security firm PhishMe. As a result, phishing has become the top attack vector for cybercriminals and APTs. Organizations continue to overlook the potential value humans can provide to their security posture, which has helped to fuel a 21% increase in phishing attacks waged against British businesses in 2015, Hansen says. During this interview, Hansen reviews the state of phishing in Europe, the U.S., and other leading economic markets throughout the world, and reviews why better training of employees about phishing risks is the best defense. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Jim, tell us about some of the phishing attack trends PhishMe has documented and how they've changed over the last year. Hi, Tracy. Well, thanks for this opportunity to chat. Yeah, I'd love to. I guess kind of first as a, as a place there, we've seen it continue to be the number one attack factor for breaking into an enterprise. Now, depending on which incident response firm you talk to, you're probably going to get numbers somewhere between 90 and 95% of the deals, cases, problems that they're in all start with something as simple as a phishing attack. So one of the ones that's very prevalent right now, and it, it's interesting to talk about because it targets small businesses to large enterprise, is the idea of a business email compromise attack. So this is a very simple phishing attack. It doesn't have any malware. It doesn't have a link that looks dodgy. It's just a well-researched social engineering attack after your finance department asking them to wire money. Seems like it's pretty simple, but that's cost about $2 billion last year in losses in the United States. There's actually a publicly traded company that was forced to disclose that they lost nearly $40 million in fraudulent wire transfers. So it's the big folks all the way down to folks that are running small enterprises. The challenge is there's no technology that's effective at stopping this right now. The only thing that's really working to identify it is to make your people a bit more aware of the problem and then make it very simple and easy for them to report that so your operations and your security group can act on it. We've been targeted with it and we continue to get hit with those on a consistent basis. Uh, we've actually dropped a couple of blog posts about a very persistent attacker that was trying to get a transfer out of our CFO. Um, so very definitely kind of a, a very simple but easy to understand attack technology is not helping us stop it at all. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the phishing trends. So you've mentioned business email compromise, and of course, business email compromise is a huge issue. The FBI has issued alerts about it. The FFIEC has issued alerts about it. It's been coming up at many of the conferences that I've attended. But are there other types of phishing attacks that you see becoming more prevalent, such as mobile phishing or smishing attacks? Yeah, we look at uh, mobile attacks in two different ways, actually. It really depends on what the uh, mechanism the attacker is using. So mobile attacks to email on the device, another straightforward phishing attack, are the same exact methodology, the same exact techniques, the same exact themes. Now, obviously, a good attacker may modify what they're using so that it, it displays and represents on particular mobile devices better, but pretty straightforward, very similar themes. Smishing, on the other hand, we don't see a lot of. You know, we're really focused on business-level activity and enterprise-level activity. Most of the customers that we deal with are aware of it, see it perhaps as an annoyance, but generally are not targeted by aggressive attackers. They're using a much more traditional method of the email uh, to get in and get those credentials and get access. From a trend standpoint, it alternates in terms of the emotional triggers and responses. The bad guys are looking to do two things or exploit two emotional triggers. And that's really trying to exploit either fear or 
greed on the part of um, the end recipient. You know, so fear can be something as simple as, hey, wherever your email quota, log in so that you can uh, update that and we can get you uh, plenty more room for your email. Or greed, you know, your ever classic and your new iDevice is being delivered. Click on this tracking number to figure out where it is. I guess the challenge is everybody's going to have a bad day, every single one of us. Steve Jobs, obviously brilliant, but he fell for a phishing attack once as well. So none of us are going to be perfect. The trick really is try to educate everyone to some level that they're more aware of these attacks. And then critically, make it simple for people to report it. Because if one person falls for an attack like that, that you have more people reporting it, your chances as a security group to be able to eliminate that attack and solve the problem are much, much higher. Just had a stat that we actually ran from last quarter where we saw in the simulated exercises that our customers ran that the folks were able to detect about 1.5 million simulated phishing attacks. And even more interesting, more than 50% of those enterprises had more people reporting the attack than falling for it. So it just kind of shows this idea, this model of educating your folks and making it very, very simple for them to report is incredibly effective and a great complement to all the technology tools that you have out there already. Jim, I want to come back to talk about some of the employee training and or educational programs that you recommend. But before we do that, I want to talk just briefly about some of the other types of socially engineered quote-unquote phishing attacks that we see. What about phishing or phone call phishing attacks? We hear so much about call center fraud increasing. Is this an area that you focus on as well? As a company, we don't. It's obviously technically harder to replicate that. Most of the senior members of our team, we've all done that as consultants, and it is a very manual process to run an education program based on that. So as a company, we tend not to focus on it. Anecdotally, we hear some of our customers are dealing with it, particularly as you mentioned, those with call centers. Um, we've heard of it as a complement to some of the BEC efforts. Um, but once again, not an area of focus for us. We're really focused on the email side of the house. Jim, are there certain geographical markets and or industries that are more targeted by these types of phishing attacks that you focus on than others? Yeah, well, we definitely uh, clearly see heavy level of effort, Western Europe, U.S., kind uh, of developed nations being targeted by a variety of groups. And it's simple as classical criminal attacks trying to exploit for financial gain, all the way out to nation-state actors that are looking for data and information about things of interest to them. From an industry standpoint, you know, traditionally, we've seen a lot of activity targeting financial institutions, no surprise, but we're seeing more and more of the critical infrastructure side of the house, your energy companies, utility companies, folks along those lines also being targeted. You know, obviously, the recent attack that's being talked about in the Ukraine kind of brings to light why some of that area particularly might be of interest and of concern. But I guess overall, Tracy, fishing really is kind of an, an everybody's game right now, uh, particularly on the criminal side of the house. If you're doing something where you're running a business and creating opportunities, there are folks out there that are going to want to enjoy some of those profits without doing any of the work. So they will target you. It's really across all industries at the base level. And so, Jim, are phishing attacks being waged more today against employees than just general consumers? I think there's a difference. Clearly, all of us get lots and lots of low-level phishing attacks and almost spammy attacks coming across as just our consumers. Certainly, all of my personal email accounts get uh, slammed quite frequently. I think the level of sophistication, the level of persistence that's targeted against the enterprise is much, much higher. For example, in that business email compromise one that I was mentioning targeting our TFO, the attacker came back four times with variants of a similar type theme 
within a space of a couple of days. So very persistent, very focused. That's not something that you're going to see on the consumer side of the house. There it's just it's a much bigger trawling net and just looking for whoever they catch on the first go. Jim, most of the breaches that we've seen in the last two to three years have been linked back to phishing attacks. Is that correct? Yeah. Tracy, I think the numbers for most of the incident response firms generally talk about 90 to 95%. And I guess you know, kind of more scarily, when you look at Mandiant's or Verizon's reports, and they talk about the length of time that an attacker is in your environment after that attack before you're able to detect it. And so you know, a few years ago, Mandiant's number was about 244 days on average. Right now, I believe last year's report had it down to about 205 days. So improvement, but that's still really scary because the danger point is the amount of time that an attacker has from when they get a foothold into your environment, when they're able to cause uh, a breach and export that data, and then when you can discover and act on that. 205 days, that's still not a great stat, right? That means your business is exposed for that entire amount of time. So once again, going back to that model of getting your employees aware, most of the detection right now occurs on the back end. When data is being exfiltrated and it's either noticed by the organization, maybe a counterpart, maybe law enforcement, someone along those lines that reports it in. If you can get your employees educated and enough of them to report it, you can actually start identifying this stuff when it's delivered not when your data is being stolen. And that's a huge difference in terms of the impact on the business because now you can start to close down that amount of dangerous free time that the attacker has there. Can we ever get it to seconds? I don't know that we can. You know, minutes, hours, days, you know, those are all probably more reasonable targets. But certainly, we can work to try to beat 205 days and be left wide open for the bad guys to pillage. Jim, are there any notable breaches that you can tell us about that were linked to phishing attacks over the course of the last two to three years? The current debate right now is very much about the attack in Ukraine on the power uh, environment there. So uh, we're not doing the analysis or incident response on that, but everything that we've heard is that initial entry point was based on a phishing attack. So very clearly, pretty interesting event. And we look here at the states. I was in the government for a while, and OPM had all of my data stored away. And there's still some interesting debate. Government's indicating it wasn't a fish, but there's lots of data out there, including a bunch of domains that were used, and some very simple update your easy pass invoice fishes that were propagated out there that uh, seemed to indicate that, that one was also based on a phishing attack. Pretty scary. So Jim, why are these phishing attacks continually evading detection? Is it just because we don't have employees trained to report them, or is there a technical deficiency there that we haven't addressed? The attackers are obviously motivated to continue to do things that work. Right? What's fast, cheap, and easy is going to be the best route for making money. And I guess to some extent, you know, maybe we're victims of our own success on the technology side. In the past 20, 25 years in the IT security side of the house, we focused on system technologies, systems, better firewalls, better detection methodologies, better sandboxes, better technologies to try to identify this stuff. But along the way, you know, our efforts historically to educate our staff and get them involved in it have been you know, incredibly boring compliance-oriented CBTs or PowerPoints, not really an engaging method. So I think that's really the key why 95% you know, of these breaches start with a person, because we haven't invested the energy to try to make that a bit better. So you can continue to look for the technical solution, and obviously you should do everything possible to make your defenses as hard as possible, but it will never be 100%. The attacker's methods and techniques are going to change. The con they're running against the people are going to change. 
their ability to get the mail in. They'll change based on what you're running from a technical perspective. So really, the only way to kind of cover that remaining gap of what your technology can't block is to start tackling that human problem and get your humans to be part of your defenses. Jim, in the introduction, you mentioned the business email compromise attacks. What other types of tactics do you see criminals using to help stay ahead of some of the technical defenses that we have in place? Your criminal folks will look and start with the most simple attack possible that's going to work. Why use your silver bullet, something hyper-complicated, when something, in fact, less sophisticated might work? But one thing that's impressive is their ability to really gather data about an organization and the people in it just from doing open source research on the web. We tend to, depending on how involved an individual is in, in social media, we tend to leak lots of information about ourselves into the digital space. And all of that is available for the use. So we see stuff that are much more tuned, much more focused on an individual, their role in an organization. And knowing those things and perhaps some of their interests, the attackers can craft stuff that is much more focused on them. And clearly, for a more valuable target, if the simple stuff doesn't work, that's the route that's going to let you get in. So let's go back to talk about some of the training programs, which you have mentioned, Jim, um, in many ways can be more important than the technical defenses. What types of training programs for employees do you deem to be the most effective and why? Sure. Great question, Tracy. Well, first of all, let me say CBTs and PowerPoints are useless, uh, just flat out. We don't learn very well as humans through that. Those are all oriented to drive compliance. Your regulator, your inspector, your auditor, someone along the chain wants you to show that you've done X, Y, and Z. And your fastest way to do that is to throw that out by a CBT or PowerPoint. But we as people don't learn very well. We learn incredibly well through an experiential process. So think about learning to drive. Right? I've got a teenage daughter that I'm working through learning to drive. And I'm in Virginia. Um, they have a great user handbook, certainly much better and more interesting than what I dealt with when I was growing up. It's got graphics. It's got illustrations. But you know that didn't work terribly well for my daughter. She picked up some stuff, but not a lot. And then that kind of passive activity of riding along with me or my wife and learning basics also really doesn't sink in as well. But when she's at the wheel of her little Fiat, and she's in the parking lot of the movie theater learning how to take turns. And she cranks that wheel a little bit too tight at the right-hand turn and grinds the rims of her car against the curb. That grinding noise and the, the experience of not doing it properly taught her instantly, oh, I need to set the car up a little bit better, a little bit wider, so I don't wreck my wheels. We learn. That's the way we're wired. We learn very, very well by doing. So. We've seen time and time again that you can reduce the likelihood of somebody falling for something by 80 to 90 percent by simply running them through the experience of a mock exercise. Run that fishing exercise that looks as real or as interesting as you think it needs to be for your group of folks, and then simply teach them very, very quickly, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 90 seconds worth of informational material. To be honest, the experiential part is probably more important than the educational material because, once again, we learn by doing. And then, just like driving, you know, just because you can make one turn doesn't mean you get your license. You have to rinse and repeat over and over again until it becomes part of your process, part of the way you think about things. That works. Checking out CBTs and PowerPoints, not going to help you at all. Yes, those are great points, Jim, because it really is the real-world experiences that help us kind of retain what it is that we need to learn and know. 
Well, Jim, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Very informative. Thanks, Tracy. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Again, we've just heard from Jim Hansen of Fish Me. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.